Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again by my co-host, who is not from Fight Island, but from the great state of Texas, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hello, motherfuckers, how y'all doing? And with us, we have a very special guest today uh, who will be talking uh, with us about the Deep Jewels 28 event that, that happened last month. Uh, with us, we have Mark Q from WombatNews.com. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for willing to talk to us. Uh, we, we appreciate your expertise and knowledge about uh, women's MMA. Uh, no problem at all. That's WombatSports.com. Wombat, sorry about that. WombatSports.com. So uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into MMA, um, and just... I, mean, I hate to interrupt, even though it's kind of my thing, but before we kick this show off, Andrew, and yes. talk about the Deep Jewels event that previously happened, yes. can you tell us a little bit more about yourself mm-hmm. and how you got involved, not only in women's MMA, but MMA in general? Well, um, you know, uh, I guess the story goes is that, you know, I was a fan of, of mixed martial arts ever since uh, UFC, UFC 2, I think, um, when my friends were, like, going, you, you know, you like professional wrestling, right? Want to see the real thing? Um, so, you know, I guess where I got to, got to see Hoist Gracie, who I really, really liked, and uh, liked how we kind of had the submission grappling great game, uh, jiu-jitsu and all that as well, so... Um, you know, I was always a fan of, of mixed martial arts and always a fan of, of pro wrestling. And, um, and it just wound up that um, the story goes is that, um, I, that my first kind of inklings into the uh, women's divisions ended up happening, what, 2000, 2006, 2007. Um, I was working for a television station down in Florida. Um, there was an MMA event down there, and they had a female fight. Um, and I was, I was uh, gracious enough to be able to, uh, to watch that. It was my first ever um, live event I've ever watched. And, um, you know, it was fun to, to be able to watch them as well. And um, actually about, what, about two months later, I ended up going to an old UFC event down in Florida. Um, you know, this was a televised one. Um, this is back when, you know, I was at the press conference with Dana White, and there was maybe, you know, maybe about five, ten of us, in the room, it wasn't as, as big as it was, you know, back in the day. But I was like the, um, I like to say I'm credited with the first, the, the first person to ask Dana White if there ever will be a women's division in uh, mixed martial arts. And at that point, you know, he wasn't much of, you know, he was saying, you know, really the depth wasn't there at the moment. Um, so he wasn't, he wasn't ruling it out, you know, until later, like later, a couple of years later, he was absolutely ruling it out and ended up passing again. So. But um, really, when I started covering it was, um, I have another podcast called uh, Somewhere in Vegas, which is still going on. Um, I had interviewed Caitlin Young on the show, and, you know, um, everything kind of went from there. I, I, I fell in love with, uh, she, it was her versus Karina Pirano. That was the first major fight that I kind of covered and um, went on from there. I worked um, for Fighter Girls for a couple of years, and then I decided to go off on my own for Wombat Sports, and I kind of expanded my coverage from more than just mixed martial arts, to wrestling and, um, you know, and wicked boxing, Muay Thai, boxing, etc. But MMA is still my major, uh, my major thing, so that's kind of the story. 
Was this? I just I have a question. Oh, oh. oh. Sorry, just a quick question. When you said that you asked Dana White about a woman, uh, a women's division in USC, was this? Because I know at first he was kind of like, no, there will be never ever a women's division in USC. Was that like around this? Was that when? Was that the answer that he gave, or was that a different? Uh, uh, I seem to recall him saying that one time to some report. I thought I heard him say, or he said that there'll never be a woman's main event or something in USC. One of those two. Um, well, I know we did it a year, right? A year, by, by, what, by maybe four or five months before Ronda Rousey got signed. Um, that was when that was when that happened because he was on TMZ for it, uh, and he said there would ne- never be a women's division in there. And then you know, like three or four months later, Ronda comes in. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Now, Pick off this show. I mean, I just have to ask one more question: Is that do you think that eventually, over time, we will see, you know, women's MMA be talked about in the same light as, say, pro boxing or pro wrestling, as far as leading a revolution of great talents? Not that it's already being talked about now because of what Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm and Nagumi Fuji made it out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, really to tell you the truth, I think the, the MMA in, in general has been, been the pioneer in, into women's women's sports, if you really think about it. Um, I think that kind of, there is some there is some credit that can be given to the mixed martial arts in terms of the women's revolution and the WWE. Um, you know, I think AJ Lee had part of the do with it, but mostly, it, I mean, Part of it dealt with the fact that you know it was kind of kind of going in the, in a popular direction. I mean, uh, you know, I, I give Ron a partial credit and just the fact that she promoted her a lot. But you know, it's almost like I almost consider like the NBA, where you know there's Will Chamberlain, and then then there's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan just pushed it to, to, to way more of a, a popular sport, but it was always there and it was always somewhat popular than the officer. Same thing with I mean. Gina, Gina had actually had actually did a pretty good job of promoting the sport, um, and then there was a little lull time in between there just because she lost the Cyborg, and for some reason Strikeforce did not get behind Cyborg at all. Um, and then when Ronda came up through the ranks, then that was when it really kind of kicked into its second gear. So um, that's how I kind of compare it. Um, but in terms of women's sport, I think it's it's ahead of the curve. I think they're getting paid they're getting paid better, but they're not getting paid um, sometimes not as much as what their, their male counterparts are, but um, in terms of the way that they're marketed and the way that they're, they're, they're put on the um, card and put in, in spotlight, I would say that um, they're ahead of the curve in terms of most sports, maybe with the exception of tennis. I see, but if, I mean, given the obvious opportunity to, you know, explode in some type of a league, uh, what am I trying to say? But basically... What I'm trying to make up is the, you know, assumption that there are stars in actual leagues that people will care about. 
Like, for example, up until the end of Michael Jordan's frame, people were talking about Cheryl Swoops being a big star in the WNBA, which, of course, she didn't really become that big of a star because she had people like Cynthia Cooper to back up. But still, point of the matter is, I'm still kind of surprised that there are not that many, you know, women's MMA promotions outside of Invicta, outside of Dee Jules, you know, just, I mean, outside of this one promotion in Poland called Fight Exclusive Night that put over women's talent like they're supposed to be treated, like athletes, not like, oh, you get a fight here, we're not going to book you for a few months, and da-da-da-da-da. It's a double-edged sword because um, a lot of these countries, first of all, don't have the same amount of talent that the maybe the United States has. I mean, Brazil, Brazil did have um, a, a female um, organization at one time. I don't know why it didn't really turn over as great. Um, but they also had a relationship with another, you know, like very, like very much like what, um, very much like what Deep has with Deep Jewels is that they had a little, like, side project where it was the, the, the females that were being highlighted. But it's another way to there just because, first of all, you know, if you have a separate league like that, then, you know, it's kind of almost separated, like, okay, well, and, uh, you know, this is, I don't agree with this, this what I'm about to say, but it's what a lot of fans think, is the fact that if you separate the two, then it seems like it's a minor, it's, it's a, minor, a minor sport versus the guys on the other end. Um, so I do like the mixing of, of guys from, from time to time. I think Invicta is unique in the um, sense that she, um, Shannon does a really great job of promoting her promoting her fighters, being able to um, experiment a lot with what, what MMA is going to be in the future. She's willing to take risks like that, like the open scoring they had um, in their previous event. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, I think there, it's a double-edged sword on that as well. But like I said, again, it's, it's, it's just the amount of, of people. I mean, I'm only up to right now September in terms of updating my results on the site. Um, I update all the MMA uh, from across the, across the globe, everywhere from, you know, Russia and um, Iran and, you know, Europe, you know, some African and all that as well. But um, it's just that there's not enough people, okay, not enough fighters in the regions to, to kind of support that besides places like United States, Japan, and uh, Brazil. Um, but um, once once the, those divisions start kind of growing up a little bit more, those other countries will be able to see, starting to see uh, more uh, female cards, we'll start to see maybe some female promotions. Right, right. And uh, by the way, the Shannon that Mark is referring, referring to is one Shannon Knapp, K-N-A-F-F, I mean K-N-A-P-P, the head honcha of Invicta FC. Now, as far as Deep Jewels 28 goes, because we want to talk about Deep Jewels 28, and we want to talk about this macro weight tournament, which is at 97 pounds. <laughs> Ironically enough that the world of MMA has dropped down to, I mean, has dropped down from pack mule to no disrespect, to ruler size fighters, <laughs> but when you think about Deep Jewels and what they're doing with the 97-pound competitors, the under 100-pound competitors, I mean, do you think that if and when this whole pandemic blows over that we could potentially see, you know, these stars, I mean, 
between these macroweight competitors possibly get fights in atomweight or super atomweight with Bronson? Uh, Mark, I'll pass that off to you. Um, you know, really, I really, I really don't hope that ends up being the case. I think that, I, my, um, I think we've we've had um, in the past, we've had um, you know, right at the hundred hundred pounds. I really kind of hope that maybe um, Ryzen might even consider just jumping down to the um, the, the micro raider. Um, I like to call them minimum weight uh, champions uh, championships. I mean, there's quite a few that there were in the past that have a thought as that small. Um, um, and then, and I'm trying to think of her name. I can't think of her name that. There's a gal out of, out of Ireland that fights at 105, but she could make it down to 100 if, I, if they really wanted to. But, um, I mean, just to be able to test, especially in the Asian countries, you're going to get a lot of gals that are going to be able to fight at, at 197 pounds. Um, quite a few people from Thailand, quite, people from, quite a few fighters from Korea, quite a few fighters from India. Um, and of course, the fighters from Japan are going to be able to make that, take that as well. So I'm hoping that it ends up being its own division. Just looking at the stats that I've gathered so far with um, with what I have from 2019, um, Adam is starting to build up again. Um, there was a time where a lot of the a lot of the fighters were moving up to 115 because they have opportunities to go over to uh, uh, the UFC. Um, Loma being the the prime example of that, which I was kind of disappointed. I really wanted to see her make her way up the Adam division, but um, you know, I think I can, it'll be, it's interesting. I love the idea that this is going to have this microwave tournament. I think there are there are fighters across the globe that might be looking to want to go to Japan and, and fight in this, this kind of thing. So um, I'm kind of hoping that they don't have them go up to 110. Um, I think a lot of people's perception is what's 10 pounds. But really, to tell you the truth, that low weight, 10 pounds is a lot of weight. So kind of. Um, so I'm hoping that ends up being the case. And I think there's just going to be there's a lot of atom weights out there. I think that could fill up that super atom weight in the uh, in the rising. So I'm really kind of hoping that uh, rising kind of takes that into consideration. Uh, I just, I just also feel that probably the the de the pool for microweight minimum weight uh, um is just not going to be also that big. You're going to have like you said probably a lot of a lot of Fighters from Japan, probably Thailand, this one uh, that you mentioned in Ireland. But I feel like the divi that division is going to be very, very, is good. There's not going to, you're not going to have a lot of people in that division. You're going to have just mostly people, uh, female fighters in who are just going to stay at atom weight or maybe, you know, don't want to cut the weight or something. Do you think that's at all? You think that's the one uh, setback about possibly having a microweight division, Mark? You know, really, I think the minimum weight, the microweight division, is all about it's all about people that that you know cannot gain up to 105, okay. you know, or 110. These are girls that don't have to cut weight. They 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 are naturally under 100. They want to fight, and they want to fight a person that's that's five or ten pounds bigger than they are because, like I said, if you know the smaller you are, that that weight does does you know have a huger impact on the lower weight. So. Um, I don't think that's that's the case. I mean, 105, I think there's a lot of girls that, are, that can probably just drop a couple pounds down to 100 and not be a problem. But um, but I think, like I said, I think that right now with, with what's going on in the weight division from what I've been seeing, we're kind of replenishing those numbers again. So, and I think that Jules is, Jules is the perfect spot to have this minimum weight, this minimum weight division just because it's so centrally located in Asia, and that's where you're going to find most of these smaller fighters. Um, it might might drum up a little business here in the United States because there's quite a few atom weights here that might be a little bit smaller, but I think it's just, um, 
Um, am I thinking that the UFC is ever going to have a middleweight division? The answer is probably no. Mm. Um, do I think that the Invicta will happen? I don't think so. But um, for where it is and where where it is where it's positioned, I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, some of them may decide to go up just because they want to have international competition. But uh, for right now, it's a really good start starting place. But we never know. I mean, I've seen I've seen one fifty five on the on the um, on the stats that I've been compiling. One fifty five has been actually growing by leaps and bounds now. So. It just depends on what, um, you know, who starts to participate and wants to be a part of it. So we're just going to have to see what kind of happens with it. But like I said, right now, I mean, I'm not thinking it's going to be a huge division. It'll be a good, good style division, I think, um, with just, you know, the people that they have in the Asian, Asian market. So that's my opinion on that. And so actually, I just want to get one question since we are, uh, we are on uh, the top of the microwave. This question is from WMMAC now at now WMMA. You probably know him. Um, he asks about Tomo Mesawa, who's the current uh, super atomweight ch- uh, weight champion for Deep Jewels. And he asks Tomo. I think Maesawa, not Maesawa. Maesawa. Maesawa, okay. Uh, Tomo, Tomo has talked about making microweights, assuming she still has her belt when the microweight tournament ends. Do you think it'll likely be she'll go down to challenge the winner for double champ status? Um, I'm going to pass that question to you, Mark. No, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if she's interested in doing it and she thinks she can make it, you know, I think that would be a huge promotional thing for Deep Jewels. You know, they could say, okay, well, we're going to have somebody who wants to you know, become an adult chap. That seems to be the, the, the thing across all of the promotions now. You know, can we can we have, can we crown double champions? And, you know, I think, you know, I think Deep Jewels would be more than happy to have uh, Tomo wanting to do it just so, just for promotional purposes, you know, to say that she, you know, she's possibly the double champ. So if she get, if you make ninety seven, then you know, you know, uh, best of luck to her, and I think she'll have an advantage since she's been, she's a champ up there. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to say the least. But yeah, I, I, have, I have no doubt that Tomo can make ninety seven pounds. People will, will book that fight. No, I also, no I think, I think the biggest name, if she, and I, um, I think she could make it if if Kana Azakura. Wanted to go down to uh, microweights. That would be the biggest name you could get. Cause I remember I was watching training videos of her. I think it was when she was train going up against Miriam Moto, and she was at some camp in America. I forgot which camp it was, but it was in California. And she's and it she was Hurricane Awesome. Yes. Down yeah, in yeah, And she made that's she made a comment that how that's, that's I know those guys pretty well. Yeah, she made a comment about how 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 she was just like. So much, everybody, they were just so much bigger than her. And I'm just wondering, you know, if, you know, will she, you know, she's a pretty small atom weight. I, w- I wouldn't say the smallest, but like she's a little bit undersized. Uh, if she went to microweight, she obviously would be the biggest name that could would go down to that weight and also have just a physical advantage at that weight. Do you think that's at all possible, seeing her go down to that weight, uh, Mark? Again, I think if, if she's willing to go down that far, I think she can do it. Um, you know, I mean, she's she's really more more or less a muscular gal too. So I mean, it's going to be kind of tough to kind of make, make that weight just because um, you know her trying to get get rid of those those extra pounds or those extra fat pounds might be a little bit a little bit harder. Like I said, smaller person, you know, smaller person is going to be the, the weight of the, 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 the weight to fat fat to muscle ratio is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know, I think it's possible, but 
you know, I mean, I, we'll see. I mean, I'd love to see her fight at 105 and, you know, maybe maybe make a run at 105 for a while. I mean, I would love for her to come to the United States maybe just to even just to fight for Invicta for maybe a fight or two, um, just to, to see how 105 fits her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now 105 is kind of, kind of interesting. It's kind of fluctuating a little bit with Jen. Um, you know, Jim's currently the champion over at Invicta, although the last two fights were very, very close. Um, you know, um, you know, I could argue that, that both of her fights, you know, she actually lost, but, um, but I would actually be interested to see, you know, if, um, if she came over here to the States, got a win, and then she could, she could fight, um, Jen, I'd love to see kind of that fight. It would be interesting to see if that ends up being a, a pretty solid fight for her, but I would, I would want her to go to one of the five first, test the waters there. And um, see how she looks. If she looks great at 105, then she maybe consider going down to 940. Gotcha, gotcha. So basically, you wouldn't mind seeing a fight between Tomo Bayasawa and Jen Yu Frey, right? Hmm? Um, you know, I wouldn't mind it. Um, you know, I think Tomo's got to be within the top five right now. Um, you know, Jim's, Jim's lost to um, uh, Ayaka. She's lost to uh, C.O. Um So, um, you know, you kind of kind of have to debate, you know, where, where she goes from here. I mean, she's beaten, like I said, her two top contenders for the, for a championship. Um, I'm interested to see if Invicta's next Phoenix series is going to be Adam Waite. It makes sense for me that it, that it should be because there is quite a few people, there's quite a few people there that um, um, we need to kind of develop a contender, and there's quite a few people that are kind of right in the, uh, on the bubble there. So it'd be interesting to see if Janet and uh, Nap ends up doing that. Um, but you know, and that would be a cool, cool thing for even Connor to try. You know, um, uh, you know, you know, one minute rounds. You know, go in there, do as much as you can in the first two, and then go go into that last one. I'd be interested to see Connor do that one. So, um, but yeah, it would be interesting to see Tomo kind of, you know, face Jen if Jen's Jen's really wanting to wanting to be a double champion. I'd lo- I would be interested in seeing that. I see. Now, without further ado, can we get to the Deep Jewels 28 card? Because we have some more questions to ask about that. But we want to get through at least part of the fight card first before getting to our next question. Yeah, so uh, Christian, whenever you're ready, kick it off. Okay, so Deep Jewels 28 happened on, I mean, on February 24th, the early morning hours of Monday February 24th at New Pure Hall in Tokyo, Japan. There were eight fights a part of this card, and two of them were part of the macro, I mean, the microweight or minimum weight tournament with one reserve, obviously. And there was a whole bunch of action going on with one fight being over the 145 pound limit and that was the main event but we'll talk more about that as the event rolls on anyways there were eight fights on the card our first fight was a minimum weight or macro weight tournament reserve fight as moe moe sasaki got her first professional win defeating sae sae kokuho Via unanimous decision, Sasaki gets her first pro win in her first overall pro fight. Kokuho drops to 0-4. Now, of course, 
I did not see the Deep Jewels 28 car, even though it's readily available on YouTube. Mark, Andrew, any thoughts about this reserve fight? After you, Mark. I only caught, I only caught, to tell you the truth, I only caught some fights on this card, that one being one of them. Um, you know, obviously being, being a, um, being a, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, being, you know, a, a minimum weight fight and, you know, these two, one of them is being, an, uh, you know, their first pro fight of it as well. Um, what I liked about the car overall is the fact that, you know, they are developing a division. Um, you know, when you have a tournament like that to crown a champion and then you have other fights that are reserve fights or whatever, you know. It, it, it kind of helps build up the vision a little bit as well. Um, so, I mean, in that one, I think it was, I think it was a unanimous decision. It was a lot of, um, there will be a lot of, I think, a lot of, um, a lot of cage fight. It was a, lot, a lot of grappling yeah. as defense for most of it, you know? Um, so, um, you know, it was interesting to see some of the, the grappling that was going on in there, uh, the scrambles between the two of them. So, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I think sometimes people think that, you know, microweights my, my don't have power in their hands or whatever, but you got to think of the smaller skulls in there, too. So I've mm -hmm. seen, you know, like I said, um, you know, great exception to the rules is, is Seo Hee Hong because she has power in those hands, mm. even if she's at, at 105. So, um, you know, I think we'll see a lot more submissions, a lot more scrambles in this division. Um, this, this fight just happened to be, um, you know, I think a little bit more... Uh, you know, kind of grinding on the fence to fence and all that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say about this one. I mean, I only, I only watched three fights. I went this one, um, and then the Amp fight, and then uh, King Rainer's fight. So, Well, regarding this fight, it, it was definitely, you could definitely tell that it was a fight between, I don't want to say amateurs, but like people, two fighters who don't have that as much experiences as maybe as the fighters who were later on the card. Just from the well, way actually, Kokuho had more experience. He's just a four-time loser. Yeah, that's the last. There's a reason why she's a four-time loser because, uh, it's it showed in the fight. It showed in the fight because uh, Mo Moe uh Sazaki basically just woman handled her for uh for the entire fight. You know, pushing her against the cage, holding her against the cage. Uh, yeah, it was basically basically. Sazaki looked like the better fighter, even though this was her first pro fight. Um, if they are, if if one of the people in the finals of the uh, if if for some reason they have to replace uh, Sazaki with one of the uh, finalists in the uh, Adam no uh, not the Adam White the uh, microwave tournament, I do not see her going far against the uh, two winners or even even I would say the two losers. That's I'll put it that way. Um, but I mean, hey, you know what? It was two rounds, ten minutes. It went by. It was a. It was. A, it went by pretty fast. Um, actually, every fight besides the main event was two rounds, ten minutes. Um, with that, with that being said, Christian. Yeah, and the thing about. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And the thing about 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 the division is is that they are fast. Yes. You know that's the thing too. I think you're going to get a lot more action in, in, in those five minutes than you're, you'd usually get in anything else. I mean the heavyweights or whatever, but it's a different thing where it just things are faster when they go to lower weights. So the one thing that it does give you is a lot, lot faster speed. I think part of that deals with the fact, obviously, that they're smaller, but also the fact that they don't have to cut as much weight. If you don't have to cut weight, then, you know, you're, you know, you're free to have that extra energy to, you know, whip around that. So I think it's, it's kind of exciting to have, you know, a thing like this, you know, going on. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't... It's a lot faster. Never as much process as you, you usually do. 
I don't think I saw one one fighter on this card get get gassed. Um, as far as I can remember, I don't. Yeah, I don't think any one fighter got at all gassed on this in, in this in this entire fight card. Even the main event, well, it didn't last long. But nonetheless, like yeah, there was there was no you know no st no stalling. There was no. I didn't see any big huffing and puffing as far as I can tell. Uh, I just want to also say as well. So. The, the Deep Jewel, so they basically, for the most part, use, like, one hard camera, but then they'll do occasional cuts to, like, these ring, to, like, the cage cameras, which I thought was very interesting because Deep Impact, the Deep uh, Impact shows, they only use the hard camera, but for this, for the, it looks like the Jewels fights, they actually use, like, multiple camera shots and multiple angles and all that stuff, so I just thought that was interesting as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, with that being said, uh, Christian, you want to move on to the next fight? Yes, let's go ahead and move on to the next fight, which was the first strawweight bout of the event. At 115 pounds, Chisato Wada knocked out Tomoko Inoue via first-round TKO. One minute, six seconds. Chisato Wada gets her first professional MMA win, opposite one defeat. Inoue loses in her first overall MMA fight. Now, I just got to ask, do y'all like the idea of novice fighters, you know, fighting to get that first win? That, I mean, to get that first win, and what were y'all overall thoughts about the 66 seconds of action? Uh, Mark, you? Uh, did you happen to see this fight? I did not, but um, to kind of get to your point, I mean, it's, you know, one of the things about them trying to develop, um, you know, trying to develop uh, talent, all that is over there. Um, there isn't much of an amateur kind of thing going on over there in Japan. Um, they do, um, you know, on occasion, we see um, amateur fights, you know, um, happen, like uh, during maybe some of the other shows. And, and, and Deep Jewels even has, like, you know, where they don't have, like, grappling bouts or, you know, or um, really they don't have any kickboxing bouts. A lot of, lot of organizations have, like, kickboxing bouts as an amateur just to kind of get their feet wet in terms of the striking. But... Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you kind of have to develop on the fly, and it was something that we were suffering from for, for a while um, on the international scene. You know, if you're going to get a fight, you're going to get a fight internationally, um, you know, and, and you, you know, it's going to be your first fight, it's going to have to be pro because there just wasn't an amateur division right now. Um, right now, though, um, International MMA Federation is making a huge correction in that. Um, I think a lot of countries are starting to send, you know, send uh, fighters over to the uh, International MMA Federation tournaments um, and kind of getting their feet wet. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on because one of the one of the gals that I'm going to recommend for Reina's face to face next um, was a veteran of the uh, International MMA Federation. Um, but we haven't seen that yet in Japan as much. You know, I kind of wish that we would almost get a um, what 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 uh, Jules used to do was was a tournament called the Rough Jules Tournament. Um, and that would help develop their fighters a lot better. And I kind of wish right now that they did that again, where we had some of these uh, some of these gals that were looking for experience uh, going to these rough style rough uh, style tournaments. So um, you know, some of the people with maybe maybe one and oh and one or oh and two um, can kind of get a head start or whatever, and just get gain gain some more experience. The big right, the right. big question I have is. Is Chisato Wada at all related to Tatsumitsu Wada? Or is that just a coincidence that they're both in deep 
and uh, both fight MMA? That's the one. That's the big question I want to find out. Do you happen to know if they're at all related, Mark, by any chance? Um, I do not. I can take a look real quick, though. I can research that really quick. Because I tried finding out if they're if the two if they're related because they both fight in the same promotion and they're both MMA fighters. It's just almost too much of a coincidence with a with a name like that, with a last name like that, that they're not related somehow. Um, Christian, do you happen to know anything about the any familial relationship between Tatsumitsu Wada and uh, Chisato? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, listen, you know, it, again, you know, watching this fight, it was clear who the better fighter was. And that's, you know, I, I think that's unfortunately the thing as well with a lot of people who are start, a lot of female fighters, especially who are starting up, you, uh, especially like in, uh, in early parts of a card, like this deep jewels card is, you see who the fighter, who the ones who just are the better fighters and who are just the, the competition is just way ahead of them at this point, uh, whether it's in fight IQ or just knowing, you know, the 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 fight uh, the the fighting mind, um, as I've heard some people say it. Um, doesn't it doesn't mean you you know I don't know what what you do with somebody who becomes own one. Do you give them another chance? Do you know? Do they go to another weight division? I know that's the that's that's the question I have because it's funny because Wada also started her career at own one, but also. It went to a decision. I didn't see the fight, so you know you never know some of these what what these decisions. But I don't know what, what. Um, I think I do agree with Mark that I wish they did have some sort of you know that that type of tournament. You know where people starting off can can uh can start off uh put dipping their feet in the uh, water rather than you know what they get immediately pushed into the pro fight scene immediately because um it that is. That is a that's like going learning how to how to swim in the uh, three feet end of a pool and then getting thrown into the deep end. Um, but with that, uh, Christian, you want to move on to the next fight? Actually, sorry, question, uh, Mark. Did you happen to find out if they're related at all by any chance? Um, well, considering considering that they both both create different gyms, I would assume that the the answer to your question is no, they're not related. Ah, oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, Christian, uh, move on to the th to the uh, next fight, uh, Adam White fight. Ah, uh, yes, the first of two Adam White fights, and I don't know if these two fights are a part of a tournament park, so you might have to help us out a bit. First okay. off, first off, Sakula Mori got her second professional MMA win, defeating Otoha Nagao via unanimous decision. Mori improves to 2-0. Nagao drops to 2-2 via unanimous decision after two five-minute rounds. Did either of y'all seen this fight? Yes. Uh, you and Brian, like I said, the only, the only two fights, other fights I caught on the card were uh, uh, the Amp fight and, and, um, and Reina's fight. Mm -hmm. So I did not really want to the question. Right. But when it came down to this, I mean, you probably didn't see this anime weight fight, didn't you? No, I, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it, Christian. Um, what I can tell you is... Any, any analysis? Yes. Mori, is, she's an expert grappler. In fact, if you go to her uh, topology, you'll see that she has three other matches uh, that were crap... Well, actually, excuse me, five to amateurs where... She won all the grappling bouts. She 
she's and she has won uh, her first MMA fight uh, was a uh, first round decision, uh, first round armbar win. Um, yeah, it, basically it was just Mori taking down Nag Nagao for like the entire round and you know trying to work for that submission. Uh, Nagao had nothing to answer for for Mori. I thought it was you know just a, a clear cut win. Um, now, obviously, as as the car gets on, the the competition gets a little bit more uh, a little bit more up level, and I definitely feel that Mori with a few more fights um, at Adam weight, uh, if she chooses to stay at that uh, weight, I definitely think she could eventually make it onto like a Ryzen, you know, opening uh, show or something along those lines. I think they would definitely you could definitely have something for her uh, based on the skill level. That I saw from her. Um, who would you? I don't know. Who would you put her up against? Like you know, you have to. Uh, you have to probably find like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like an easy, not an easy opponent, but like an ethical opponent to somebody who's making their debut on like a big stage. But yeah, I definitely could see Mori eventually making it onto the onto the rising stage, uh, or Invicta if, uh, if they do like a, an atom weight thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like Mori, you know, out of this entire card, Mori is a fighter that that I walked away with like, oh yeah, we're going to see more of her in the future. Um, Nagao, sorry gal, I, I unfortunately was not, I, the quote GSP was not too impressed with your performance. Um, but <laughs> now with the next fight, I, there's a lot, I think a lot more to talk about with this uh, finish. So uh, Christian, I'm going to let you take it off and... Um, uh, I'll explain the issue with the finish I had. Ah, uh, yes, the second un the second animate fight of the day, I guess, since this was streamed as a daytime event here in the states. <laughs> but the second fight, the second animate fight of this event, the strongest underground idol representing Kamen Joshi, rising alumnus Nanaka Kawamura, knocked out Mika Sakamoto. Via TKO. Two minutes, 56 seconds, round one. Kawamura, who lost her Horizon bout at the Heisei Slash Yarnoka event back on New Year's Eve 2018, improves to three and five. Sakamoto now winless in two fights. So, all I just gotta ask is, how's, I mean, how do y'all think that Kawamura will continue to improve if she gets finishes like this. If she continues to get finishes like this. Uh, yes. Oh, well, Mark Q, I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer that first. You know, I was just reading about the fight. Um, I guess my good friend MMA Rising has a really good breakdown of a lot of the fights. So I'm kind of catching up a little bit as well. But, um, you know, the thing with Jules is the fact that um, you know they have a they have a roster where they don't eliminate fighters too often. They don't fire you know too often. If they're willing to fight, they're willing to fight. Um, so you'll get a lot of times where people will will lose will lose a lot of times and then suddenly get back on track. Sometimes you know down the line. Um, Selena Haga I think is the greatest example of of that. She went on this huge losing streak over in, in, in Deep Jewels. Um, and then finally, um, finally just hit her stride and went on a, what, four, five, six fight tear. Um, so, um, the thing about losing fighters is, is that you have to change up things. Um, obviously, um, obviously she is, uh, 
Monaca has um, actually um, done that. She's been, uh, you know, she's been, you know, obviously done, doing something a little bit different in her fight camp to, to change her change her results. So, um, although it was an early stoppage, you know, um, I think you know, and we'll talk a little bit about this with Team Reina too. But um, but with with her, I think it's just you know changing up things things in her camp maybe is maybe what what um, what's been doing it. So if she's feeling you know, she's feeling that she's doing the right thing, and this is the, what's what's giving her success. Then maybe she needs to start continuing to do the same thing. So it's just about you know things changing around and turning things around. Roxanne Motaberry is another example of this. Mm-hmm. You know, she was losing over to Japan for quite a while, and then she moved here to the states, ended up going to syndicate, and started running winning matches left and right. So once you change up some things in terms of your training, then you know you know you can turn that losing record into a winning record really quick. I actually, I just want to talk about the ending a little bit uh, because you know what the ending reminded me of. Actually, you bring up the Aranoka. Um, I don't know if either of you remember uh, the the way that the uh, Kana Watanabe Shinzuki Sugiyama match ended, where she punched Shizuka, her. Sugiyama. Oh, Shizuka. Shizuka. Sugiyama uh, match ended where uh, Watanabe punched her. Sugiyama went down. It looked like she was holding her hands down the brace for her fall. But then the referee just, I guess, thought that they were not. She was knocked out and uh, ended the fight without, you know, any additional damage being taken. This the fight. Ex- this fight ended exactly the same way. Um, yeah, but the thing is, oh, uh, 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 Mark, Mark, go ahead. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. You happen to know who the referee was that fight? I think it was Herzog. I believe it was Herzog. Oh, okay. Um, the, yeah, just but the, referee in this fight was uh, Yashiro Tozawa, uh, who, uh, who, who was the referee in this, this, in this particular fight. Okay. Uh, sorry, Christian, go ahead. Yeah, but Andrew, the thing is, this Kawamura Sakamoto fight lasted a hell of a lot longer than Sugiyama versus Watanabe? Yes. Yeah, so, no. so you have think that Kawamura just took her time with Sakamoto, right? Oh, no. Kawamura was winning the fight for most of it. Um, but it was just like, it was just like a very like, oh, she she just kind of like fell down from the punch. It wasn't, it wasn't like she even hit her, she even braced for it. She braced for it because I saw, because she put her, she put her arms out so that she wouldn't fall, so that she wouldn't fall down. It wasn't like she hit the, it wasn't like she hit the back of her head. And then was woken up. I think she was clearly cognizant um, that that she had been punched. I don't. There's. I don't. I think it was a an un. Now, I know that Deep Jewels. You know, especially, and I know for you know a lot of amateur fights here in New York. Whenever if you get knocked down from a punch, the ref ends it. There's no because they don't because at the amateur level, they don't want any follow up damage. I think. Now, if Deep Jewels, you know, it's the rules are maybe a little bit different. I don't know. But I think that the fight could... I think the referee could have at least allowed it to go on after. Uh, judging by how um, how uh, uh, Kamaru's opponent uh, was still, I think, awake. Or still, still cognizant. Well, she had fought her way back up to her feet. Uh, then, and then she connected her punches, but you know, if she's, you know, she was still fighting out, out of the way, you know, uh, she landed a bunch of punches. Um, let me, uh, let me, uh, 
let me uh, read this from uh, my friend Emma Rising. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see here. She worked from the t from the top uh, by landing numerous uh, handsome Paris face and half guard. Um, Tara Murla scrambled back to her feet and she uh, and charged at Sakamoto with left and right hooks. Uh, all of them landed and uh, Sakamoto turned her face to the side and retreated and Katsura continued to throw punches. That was enough for the referee to wave off the fight, which appeared to be a necessary early stoppage. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, just sort of reset and then they, they, she went after it and the referee stopped it. I think that we're that play. Okay, got it. Uh, okay, I'm maybe think of another fight. I want to ask from WMMA scene now about Kawamura. She was able to halt her losing skid at this event. Obviously, Deep Jewels wants to keep her around as ticket sales seems to improve whenever she fights. And Common Joshi, her idol group, performs at these shows. But the question is. What should they do with Anaka Kawamura? Should they keep building her up against the debutantes, or should they give her better and stronger competition, even though, unfortunately, we've seen that in Ryzen when she faced off against Ai Shimizu, and that really didn't go too well. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the thing about Japan is, is that they are worried about ticket sales, and if they can get somebody popular, they'll chop. To, to be able to um, you know to be able to, to you know you know gain ticket sales and I think that that's what probably what Deep Jewels will probably do they'll probably they'll probably have her face either um, either debutantes or more than more than likely maybe somebody that's 0 and one or 0 and two and then just kind of build her up that way and once she gets a winning record and gets you know you know a good you know three or four four wins under her belt then maybe consider you know upping the competition and, and doing that as well a lot of amateur promoters out here in the states do the same thing too. Where they'll they'll um, if they have a star in their in their in their midst, then that's what they do. I also just want to correct myself. That ending uh, I said for the, the Kawamura one. Sorry, I I mixed up in my notes. That was the Chisato Wada uh, match that I was referring to. That ending. So I take back everything I said about the Kawamura. I actually know I like that stoppage was okay because she turned her head. The Chisato Wada uh, um, match ending was the one that I had a little bit of a uh, a tip with. Sorry about the confusion about that. Um, but uh, so do you for actually want to just talk a little bit about Kamura? Yeah, she did her her she, her idol group did perform at the beginning of the show, um, uh, and I did watch it. Uh, they all wearing the the Jason hockey masks and all that stuff. Uh, do you think that do you think that we'll be seeing uh Kawamura potentially? Yeah, do, who do you think would be a good? Do you know who might be a good opponent for her next? Um, Mark you. Um, give me one second, y'all. I'll give you a, uh, a quick... Sure. Um, let's see here. She was going at 108, right? You know, what would be interesting is if they end up sending one of the Rockets against her. Mm. You know, because, you know, the Rockets would, would, you know, they'd probably have somebody at, you know, Either have to, you know, um, I think had a rocket on this card. We'll talk about her next, but um, but she might go down. I mean, if the rocket, if if um, amps any any um, any indication, all these girls are actually fighting up in the weight for the first fight, and then they, they kind of kind of adjust what weight they want to do for the next one. So um, maybe uh, maybe the uh, um, 
Lohan, the Rocket might be the next one for maybe if they if they decide to bring her down to one one five. But um, I mean, there's quite a few. I have to take a look at some of the older older cards because you know there's always fighters in there that are you know maybe you know two zero and two and zero and three that they can bring in for her. So uh, I'd have to take a look at some some of the older cards. Do you think? Um, uh... Do you think we, uh, you know, Kyle Murray can make it back on a Ryzen card? I mean, she only has one loss in Ryzen so far, I believe. Um, it was against Ai Shimizu. Do you think that she could uh, make it back on the big stage at some point? Um, yeah, or needs a few more they, wins? They make it, they make it again, get another run under her belt, maybe, and then we could probably see if it, if it ends up being the case. Um, like I said, if, if they get her in a 5-5 five five or 6-5, you know, then there would be more of an excuse to, for her to, to go back on there um, if they really want to push her, um, you know, because, I mean, if, if Deep wants to if Deep Jones wants to push her as a star, then um, I would have no, you know, distinction that that um, that um, that Ryzen would want to push her as a star in the same way. So I would say get maybe two or three more wins there, get you, an, get you a, a winning portion of it, and then maybe she might make her way back up to, uh, back up to Ryzen again. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, you know the issue, I think that 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 uh, your colleague at, at Wombat uh, 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 News uh, uh, brings up is also she's she's like she's a name celebrity for them because of her idol status. So how far do you push somebody who obviously has a celebrity status that you want it, you kind of want to keep winning, but also. I think it's fair. I think she, it's, yeah, like you said, she definitely has changed up something in her training. So it seems like MMA is being taken a little bit more seriously for her. So she might want better competition, but then the risk, the, the risk war of that, she might start losing again. Um, that's, why, that's why you keep her at, at, at deep fuels and get those next extra wins. Because yeah. you want to you you make sure that she's, she's solid once she, she does make it up to Bryson and there isn't any upsets. Um, and really, to tell you truth, just the gap between when the cards are. I mean, Deep Deep Jewels is a lot more popular, maybe one or two cards in between when Ryzen does their stuff. So if they brought her in on New Year's Eve, let's say, um, you know, she could fight at least fight two more times. You know, barring you know, barring that this coronavirus thing doesn't go on for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, but um, that's why currently, I mean, that would that would be the way I I would I would put it. I'd put her in two or three more fights. If they can, if I can get her, um, if she can get three more wins under her belt, then yeah, bring her back to Ryzen. And, and if you do do it, you bring it on the big show. You bring it back uh, to maybe day one of, of, of the Ryzen New Year's Eve. Um, that, would, that, would, that would be my recommendation. Great, great. Uh, Christian, you want to move on to the next fight? Yeah, let's move on. The second of our two strawweight bouts of the evening. Saw Miki Motono defeat another one of the Rockets. This time it was Nong Pan who ended up tasting defeat. Four minutes, 27 seconds, ground and pound. Motomo, no, Motono ups her professional MMA record to 4 and 1. Nong Pan, 0 and 1. Fighting out of the Tam Tong Gym in Thailand. Now, as far as all these so-called the rocket fighters <laughs> and the pocket rocket and all that, I mean, do you <laughs> think that Don Tong Jim is really putting over all these fighters with the name the rocket in them and, you know, trying to ship them out to Japan as best as they can? 
And as far as Motomo goes, I mean, Motono goes, I mean, obviously she should be a top contender for the strawweight title now, considering the fact that it's vacant still. Because, of course, Miduki Indoway held that title, and now she's in the UFC, so that belt may as well be vacant. But do you see Miki Motono becoming the D-Jewel Strongweight Champion anytime soon? After you, Mark, you? Um, well, talk, talk about the Rockets. Um, <laughs> I mean, let me give some clarity about why that ends up happening. Um, in, uh, in Thai culture, there's, um, there's a tradition where, you know, you represent a gym. So, you know, mm-hmm. you'll have a, a gym name, and then you'll have your actual name. Uh, with the Rockets, obviously, um, I consider it similar to what, you know, the Pitbull brothers do, because they, there's Patricky Pitbull, there's Betch has great names to Pitbull, but she's also a Pitbull, you know? So it's very similar to that situation where all of them are nicknamed the same thing across the board. Um, in terms of that, it's very similar, I guess, almost, almost, I would say almost similar to the dates, you know, um, over in Japan, too, because there's like, there's no redate, there's such and such date, it's this, this date, this date, that. They were, they were in a Deep Jewels for a while, too. Um, but um, it's very, very similar to that situation. Um, that gym in particular is very interesting, just the fact that they are over into, they've gone over to the MMA realm. Um, and they've done very successful, um, I think, in, in that, in, in, in the start of it. I think a lot of these people, again, they're coming from, you know, they're coming from a, um, you know, maybe a Muay Thai background, but they're picking up the uh, ground game pretty quick. Um, but, you know, again, you're, you're kind of facing these people against some more seasoned veterans, so they don't have that time to, uh, they don't have the time to kind of develop a little bit. Um, Thailand does have an MMA scene, believe it or not. Um, so I haven't had the opportunity to really kind of, I, wish, I kind of wish they would, uh, they would do that because they do have an amateur um, on a couple of cards. Just to get get their um, just to get some their their you know get get some experience in the cage before they even go up to a the details event where they can they can they can do it so um, you know that's you know I'd love that to happen I mean and, um, I think Amps right now really doing very well for herself and again we'll get that get to that in a bit um, as for Nikki um, uh, yeah I mean the strawweight division is really really good right now um, and here in the United States and all that as well so everything's kind of developing a little bit but. In Japan, we haven't seen very much activity, and I think, yeah, if you really think about it, Mickey would be one of them. Four and one is, is not bad for a you know for a person over at, at Deep Jewels to, to really consider the uh, uh, a top contender for the strawweights. I would be interested to see if Deep Jewels decides to do a tournament, maybe a four woman tournament to, to crown a new champion. So we'll have to we'll have to kind of see um, what's what's going on there. Uh, just to let uh, um, some uh, background on uh, uh, Motono. She trains at AACC, one probably one of the best camps in all of Japan. That's where Megumi Fuji is a trainer, uh, and uh, Hamazaki trains as well. I believe also Reina, um, uh, not not King Reina, Reina Kobota. Kobota. Um, so she's at one of the best camps in all of Japan. Um, now, one question I have, uh, just you know, make it Ryzen related, is. Um, do you think that she would be Ryzen worthy, uh, Mark Hugh? Because one of the things is that it seems like Ryzen was going to have some sort of strawweight division. I think uh, when um, Kanak was a was a Murata, I think was in the um, I think they were going to have a division around Kanako Murata, uh, that that weight division. 
Do you think uh, that they can make that with talent from Deep Jewels and from other, perhaps other organizations, they can build around a, a strawweight division in Ryzen at this, at this uh, well, in the, in the near future? I think with, with the two deepest divisions in all the world are 125 and 115. Um, so I won't be surprised. I mean, they could do it. Um, there's a lot of international talent that does fight at 115 that they can bring in. Uh, from the States, from, you know, from Europe, from Asia, you name it. If you name the country, they'll probably have a straw weight that's available. So, um, yeah, they can, they can do that if they really, really wanted to. They could do a, a straw weight Grand Prix um, pretty easily um, and really promote, um, promote uh, Murata as, the, uh, as, you know, as, uh, as a champion, and they can make her a double champ. So I have, I, I, that's easy. It's an easy, it's an easy thing for them to do. It's just a question of if they want to pull the trigger on that or not. Great, great. Uh, with that, Christian, you want to move on to the first match in the microweight slash minimum weight division that they had on this show? Yes, the first minimum weight tournament semifinals scene. I mean, saw a woman beat up somebody who was old enough literally <laughs> to be her grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mizuki Furuse upped her professional MMA record to seven to seven and six at all of nineteen years old, defeating fifty-two-year-old former Invicta FC animweight title contender or challenger actually Yasuko Ikuko Tamada, who now drops to seventeen and eleven via unanimous decision after two five-minute rounds. Now, as far as Tamada goes. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have not seen her since that one Invicta appearance. But for the former Valkyrie flyweight champion, I mean, do you think that even though she trains with Megumi Fuji at Abe at Ane Abe Combat Club, do you think that it's time for her to just go ahead, hang up the gloves, and start knitting crochets or something? Before <laughs> and as far as oh. goes. She's not 19 years old. How high does full stock go? She's on a four-fight win streak, by the way. Before I pass it off to you, uh, Mark, I just want to give some background on uh, on Yasuko Tamada. She is 52 years old, so she's older than Miyu Yamamoto, who I thought was one of the oldest uh, female fighters fighting right now. And she first her first fight ever was back in July of 2005. So she has been fighting for about 15 years, which is insane. So, but yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, I want to pass my question, uh, question, Christian's question to you, uh, Mark, for you to answer. Um, give me one. Okay. Yeah, sure, no problem. Okay. I wanted to, I wanted to see, see because... Um, I wanted to see who was facing at that time, and that was Watterson, which, you know, was, was, a, was a pretty good. Um, she, she lasted uh, up to three rounds, which she only barely lost. She, she lost that last round, and, and then that last round of Watterson. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny because um, sometimes, you know, uh, Shannon brings over, there's another person that was, uh, that she had brought over, I forget who it was, that from, from Deep Jewels, that was actually facing somebody for a championship, and she was like 42. And, you know, I, I think Shannon said that she didn't realize how old she was. Um, and I've actually been, I've actually been um, 
contemplating, and I've been doing some research on you know ageism and, and MMA because there are some 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 women that are in their uh, you know forties you know in, you know forties and fifties that are actually doing pretty well themselves in mixed martial arts. But a lot of it just deals with um, you know a lot of it deals with how many fights they've had or you know it's 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 an interesting thing and I have I've deep dive kind of deep dived into it. I haven't written an article yet. Um, I want to you know get a couple more a couple more quotes before I even post anything about it. But it's something that I ask a lot of fighters about in terms of age. But um, you know. If you get to, you know, you get to that point where you know you have way too many uh, losses in there. I mean, listen. I mean, she she won. She had back to back wins before she lost. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't think you necessarily say hang up the hang up the uh, hang up the gloves after one loss to uh, one youngster that's uh, you know like what 20, 30, 30 age, uh, 30, uh, 30 age your senior. Maybe you 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 maybe kick it another year and see if you uh, do pretty well for yourself, but. Having having run her past two, which is you know what it looks like on the on her record, you know I don't think that um, I think she's still got some things in her. So you know, I I don't really really uh, you know think with that as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this where the experiment final final end up ends up happening and how Amp does versus her um, versus uh, uh, Mizuki. Um, but um, but yeah. Um, and I mean, she has, she has, I think Mizuki what has a little bit more experience than her actually. If you really can see, if you look at her record, so it'll be interesting to see at least. But yeah, I don't think I don't think she should. Kamada uh, uh, should uh, hang up the uh, hang up the gloves until well, maybe she loses a couple more, um, you know. But she goes against a, a more experienced fighter and a younger fighter, so you know that's how it goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't believe when I looked it up like just like yeah. Just, it was just more the age disparity. I couldn't believe it. I mean, heck, you know, I don't know if uh, if Yamato wants to go off and wait and they have, you know, her versus Miyu and Ryzen or Deep Jewels. Hey, you know what? That's a fight I, I wouldn't mind seeing between two 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 veterans. Um, so it'd be interesting because it'd be, I would say that Miyu would be the more athletic and I think she would definitely have the size advantage, but Yamato has the just more MMA background. I don't know. Just one of those wish. Wishful thinking fights, I'm just thinking of. Uh, but, um, Christian, shall we go on to the last match in the semifinals of the microweight slash minimum weight tournament? Yes, let's please talk about this one because I know that y'all been wanting to salivate about this particular fight. Amp the Pocket Rocket, a.k.a. Amp Suanon Boonsorn, Upped her professional MMA record to five and three, submitting Emi Sato four and five via armbar. Forty-nine seconds into round number one. Now, as far as Boonsorn goes, she's two and one in Full Metal Dojo. She's zero and two in Rising. She's three and zero in the Deep Jewels Ring or Cage. So, how do you think that a fight between her and Mizuki Peruse will go? if this tournament will continue past the current COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. And as far as Emi Sato goes, she's currently riding a three-fight losing streak. All three of those losses, those three previous losses, and all five of her losses overall have come by way of first-round finish. Do y'all see Sato continuing on with her fighting spirit or, again, is she bound to go ahead and rethink her career choices? After you, Mark. 
You know, again, like you said, you know, with the thing with jewels is that, you know, they're always wanting to have fighters that are willing to fight. Um, again, three and three and five and three and five, you know, um, she's still what? She can look at me how old she's um, well, I don't think she's that old, right? She's 39 years old. This is Tonto's second straight loss. I mean, second loss in the Deep Jewels cage or ring to the Pocket Rocket. Oh, actually, both in the first yeah. round, actually. Interesting. Sorry, Mark, go ahead. Sorry, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, consider that. Oh, so we got to do some MMA math here. Oh, okay. So oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Oh, oh God. I, uh, and she, yeah, she tapped her out in the first round with a r double wrist lock. That's a, am I, if, I don't know if they mean, if, I don't know if they mean Kimura. If they, if that's what they're, if they're actually thinking of. Or they just like a, a legitimate, am I thinking of like a legitimate wrist lock, like cash wrestling wrist lock. If, that, if so, that's, that's actually like amazing. So that's you no. Know, so you know, uh, Mark, uh, I, I got some some like fantasy booking ideas. So I'm, I want to pass the, those questions off to you first before I say anything. Um, after you, Mark. Um, you know, I think that says a lot. You know, uh, Mizuki might not have as good of a ground game as as um, as ironically Amp does. You know, and like I said, it's very interesting with this gym that they're an MMA gym. And they've done so well about putting the jujitsu and the ground game, you know, there for these gals. And we've seen success, um, you know, in this gym and also over at Tiger Muay Thai. Both of them have done really good, really good, um, you know, jobs of, of helping these gals transition over to their ground games. And we've seen an impressive ground game. So, you know, Amp might actually have a have a um, advantage coming into this fight if it ends up going to the ground. So I'm interested to see the see the, the finals of this tournament. But in my mind, I think Amp right now is actually the uh, favorite coming into the uh, into the finals. Mm, I agree. I absolutely agree. Okay, so Mizuki Furuse, she has the most interesting record I've seen of anybody. So on the amateur, she beat Aishimizu in the first round by armbar submission. She has beaten Nanaka Kawamura by majority decision. She has lost to both Emi Tomimatsu and Emi Sato. To double wrist locks in the first round. So apparently she has a GSP thing where she just loses the people with the name Emmy, apparently, from her from looking at her record. But you know, I think that's an Emmy the Rocket. So so if Mizuki wins, obviously the fight you would make next after that would have to be a rematch between her and Emmy Sato. That's what I was thinking in my head. Um but 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 if you think, yeah, I think that if what we can deduce from Ferrucci's record is that her ground game is not like Amp's. And Amp is maybe has one of the most underrated ground games I've ever seen. I'll never forget, you know, the, the fight she had with, with uh, Hamazaki, where she immediately got Hamazaki's back so fast. And I and I rewatched it like a bunch of times. And I couldn't believe it. That like she, the way she just moved, she moves so fast. And being at microweight, a minimum weight, she probably is going to move a lot faster. So that fight, I easily see going to the ground. Ferrucci is going to get like armbar or maybe double wrist locked again. And so I don't think it's, I don't think that 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 match that when they have it will make it 
to the first beyond the first round, in my personal opinion. I think that Amp is an underrated MMA fighter and someone to look at uh, uh, as like as a future, I don't know, uh, regular rising regular or whatever. Um, but she's definitely going to be she's a fire to look at. Um, I'm trying to. Th I mean, and then if she wins, I don't know. Um, Mark, who if uh, uh, Amp wins, who would be a good opponent? Her a good opponent to like ha to defend against a microwave and a uh, after that. There's a there's a gal that um I'm trying to remember her name off the top of my head. Veteran fighter. She fights at at minimum weight. She used to fight at atom weight. Um, probably has like the third the. I think that's probably the second, maybe the second or first most fights of a, uh, a female fighter, but um, a lot of that's a little weighted because a lot of the gals that she faced were like 1-0, and, and she has the most armbar wins. I'm trying to remember her name off the top of my head, but she's a microwave gal, um, and she just, you know, she was off for a couple years when she started her family, but she came back, um, but um, there was rumors that she was going to be facing the winner of this tournament. I just don't remember off the top of my head what her name is. So I have to do the research real quick. But um, there was a rumor that that, that was who was going to be the next opponent for personal oneness. Mm -hmm. What about against Yasuko Tamara since she was the runner-up? Uh, or well, she uh, she faced Mizuki and, and lost to her. Uh, do you think that there's any credence to giving some, I guess, to the third-place fighter um, a, uh, a, a chance at the uh, championship or no? Um, kind of tough to say just because I think she would, she's one and all, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give her the, fight, the, the next fight that way. I'd want to develop her a little bit more. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I'd take a look and see who all, you know, who all is going to be dropping down to, uh, down to microwave. I mean, you may see somebody, uh, what a fibers that have lost on this card make 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 the move down. So, oh. um, but I think it's just that they develop a contender out of you know next on the next card they get maybe two microwave microwave fights, um, and the winners of, of those they consider you know whoever they think is more impressive the uh, the spot to face next. So I'd say just use the next card for a for a um, title contention. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, with that being said, Christian. We have to move on to the main event and what a fight I would consider a polar opposite of microwave. So let us go on to, to that fight. Oh yes, the only fight featuring big girls, the 145-pound weight class in this case, the women's featherweight class that was on this card. King Reina Miura upped her professional MMA record to 12 and 3. 9 and 0, oh, by the way, in the Ryzen... No, 9 and 0, oh, by the way, in the Jules Ringer cage, mm. defeating Andre the Rocket, who was making her first professional fight. Miura, TKO, Andre the Rocket, 3 minutes, 29 seconds, ground to pound. We're not going to even talk about Andre the Rocket, even though I'm pretty sure she's going to be you know, a future star down the line in Thai MMA. But as far as Miura goes, and I'm going to try and reiterate this question from WMMA scene now into it, King Reyna is 3-3 three and three in the Rising ring. As I mentioned, she's 9-0 and oh in the Rising, and one of her wins was against 
now current WWE superstar, the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. But it seems like King Reyna only gets decent competition in Rising. Is Jewel's smaller budget preventing them from giving her decent opposition? Or are they intentionally giving her, you know, these softball opponents, knowing that she probably might get her ass whooped if she gets another Rising fight? Mark you, I'm going to pass that question to you. Um, yeah, I have notes on this one, actually. Um, well, um, to answer your question, um, really, to tell you the truth, I think the reason why Ryzen, I think, said that they weren't going to bring her back was because she was, like, you know, three and three in Ryzen, and they wanted her to, to get gain another, another win streak. And, you know, she's on a win streak right now, so, you know, it would be nice for Ryzen to bring her back. I think the timing's correct for her to be, be, be brought back. She's gotten a couple more wins. And she has looked impressive in this past fight. I mean, although she was facing a debutante, um, she had, um, let me see, right my notes here. She really had nice um, nice hip movements going through the fight. I mean, she was able to control uh, when, when she, I mean, she, she's a judo player. But the biggest problem with judo players is that when they throw a person, then, you know, things kind of get out of control um, on the bottom. And, you know, we could be wound, we can wind up on the bottom just because somebody, you know, you know, moves their weight, shifts their weight, shifts their body at a certain point. But the big thing about um, about Reina was the fact that she was able to use those hips to be able to, to control position, and that was a you know that's a big that's a, that's a big problem for a lot of gals that are into judo. And so I mean that's really nice. I think I think her training over at Kings MMA has done a lot to help her with that. Um, Kings MMA is really good. Rafael Cardero over there. Uh, really great, uh, you know, fighters. So, wait a minute. So King Reyna is actually traveling out to L.A. to train at King's MMA? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did last year. Oh, wow. Interesting. But please yeah. continue. Uh, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so she, besides that, besides the fact that she, she's really good at, at using her hips for position and to be able to maintain a really good ground position... Um, in that fight. Also, she's really developing her striking very, very well. Um, mm. I think earlier on, it was a little bit more sloppy, um, but I think right now, her her, um, her striking has, has improved, um, you know, you know, two to three-fold from once she started, she started at the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the time, so she's developed as a fighter. She's a lot, um, she's a lot better um, in terms of uh, as a fighter, and I think she's right at the mid-thing status. I kind of wish, I can understand why they would, would turn it down, but I kind of wish she would have went to the PFL to, to be a part of that tournament. It would have been really, really nice to, for her to have gotten that experience under her belt. She has a good enough record to be able to be a part of that tournament. Um, it would be interesting to see her versus um, her versus uh, Kayla Harrison just because they both know judo, although, you know, Kayla's judo is a lot, you know, a lot more... A world class than than Reina's is, but um, I think they, they, their decision was is that you know they want to probably uh, the keep her over there and and Ryzen or whatever. Maybe DFL may shoot her a contract at some point, but um, you know I think she'll she'll be back up in Ryzen. Um, I, I was doing a little research before we um, before we went on air of any possible opponents that we could see for Reina down the line if the, if Ryzen really does want to. Uh, wants to um, face her. There's like three Russians on my list. Mm. That, um, one of them's a three, a two and one. One of them's a three and one, and another one's a three and one. Um, you know, they still be under experience, but they're on two fight, at least two fight win streaks. 
So that would be a, a kind of an, uh, you know, a little bit better level for her to face. Um, one person I put on here is Julia Dorney. She's the former IMAF um, champion. Um, if, for people who don't know who, what the International MMA Federation is, it's a world-class tournament, um, all of its amateur fights. Um, and so Julia has, has been, uh, you know, has done, I don't know how many tournaments, about four or five of those tournaments. So she's got a lot of experience under her belt. So that two and of them. And what country is Julie Dorning from? What was that? What country is this Julie person from? Germany. Oh, okay, okay. My apologies. Yeah, Julia Dorning, um, like I said, Dorning has been doing, uh, you know, has done five tournaments. So her experience level is is a lot more than you would expect from a 2-0 fighter. So she would actually be somewhat on the level of what King Reyna would be. So I think personally I'd love to see that fight, um, although I think Julia would be kind of somewhat of a hassle for, for Reyna, but it would be a testing, it would be a tier test for a lot in terms of that as well. Um, in terms of um, Japan, um, Yoko Higagashi is currently 4-2, and two, um, and she's been fighting out of Pancrase. Um, so she would be somebody in in country they could face over at um, over at, at, at Ryzen if they really wanted to do that as well. And um, a wild card on here, but she doesn't have a, she has a losing record, but it would still be something into consideration considering Bellator has a relationship with Ryzen. Um, Hatisa Ozerk, uh, she's currently fighting, she's currently signed with Bellator. She has a losing record though, but um, you know if Bellator does that super card again. They could probably bring her in and uh, have her face uh, King Reyna, and that would be that would be kind of be a nice little crossover thing as well. So those are all the possible. And then, like I said, there's three Russians that are one of them is two and one, one is three and one, and one is three is one. And really, I mean, I'm, the reason why I picked those in particular is just the fact that they're foreign fighters, and they can bring them in relatively easy, except for that one that's a Japanese fighter. So it would be, you know, it would be nice for for um, Ryzen to bring in. You know, somebody, I, you know, there's plenty of people here in the States that would probably would love, would, would itch at the thought of wanting to face King Reyna, but I don't think Ryzen will do it. I think they love to, to bring in people from like Russia or um, Asia or the European Union, pretty much, also, versus uh, bringing somebody in uh, from, uh, from the United States. Just also, as well, the landscape of MMA, you know, currently, we don't know what, what it's going to be like in the next few months. Russia could, might be the only, uh, might be the only option for the next few months if Ryzen decides to run any shows uh, or Deep Jewels or something. Might be Russia will be the only place where you can get fighters from to go to Japan, possibly. Do you think that's also a consideration, uh, Mark? Yeah, and, and kind of a side note on that, too, is something I was, I was going to talk about. Um, the postponement of the uh, 2020 Olympics in 2021. Um, What's been kind of curious to me um, in just being doing research, and I've, I've done research in terms of the, the women's, uh, Japanese women's uh, world team in terms of the, uh, the Olympics and the um, wrestling, it's been interesting to kind of research how, how damn good they are. Um, they've won a lot of world championships, but the thing is is that I had asked the question before, why is it that we haven't seen a lot more crossover for some of these Olympic-style wrestlers? To make it over to the um, to the MMA realm, and the and the thing is, is that Japan, you know, praises these girls so much that they pay them salaries to uh, to train to be wrestlers. So by the time that they get out of their out of you know maybe two or three Olympics, 
then they'll retire and they're there and they're right in the late thirties, early forties, and they, they don't feel that they're they're um, they're young enough nowadays to uh, to um, to uh, do MMA. But I'm hoping that kind of changes mm-hmm. with some of these people. Like we're seeing we're seeing that with um, with uh, Tanako, and we're seeing that with um, with a bunch of these gals that were that were on the junior teams or something like that 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 made their way up to young MMA. So I'm interested to see. If that ends up being the case coming on down the line, so um, but that kind of delays any of that because next year obviously is going to be when the wrestling is. So a lot of these gals um, in Japan, you know, may not consider doing that, considering they have to wait another year to, to compete in the Olympics. So um, I wanted to, to kind of make a note of that. But mm. with that in mind, after we don't know what's going to happen after you know COVID's going to be you know COVID is over. It might be a situation where we we have open borders and people can go and travel once in a while, but there'll be a good news, bad news situation in that as well. The, the bad news is, is that, you know, we're still going to have that little bit of a fear, but the good news is that um, that travel rates are going to go down. The, the, the ability to fly people over to Japan, I think, is going to drop because people are going to be afraid to go into any of the Asian countries because of what was um, what's, what's happened. I think that's actually an advantage to some of these promotions like Ryzen and, and Deep and all that as well. Because if they can fly somebody in, what, $500 cheaper to come over and, and fight them, then they're going to, you know, they'll make an effort for it, you know, to be able to bring some really good high quality talent in. So it might be a, it might be, um, it might be a good news, bad news situation. It might be a good news that we're going to have more people coming over. So I'm hoping that ends up being the case. You know, I would love to, I've been thinking about going to Japan for the past six, seven months. I really want to go over there and catch a Ryzen card or a Deep Fuels card um, and be able to visit Japan. So I'm hoping that with the lower, the lower airline fares and maybe some of the lower hotel rates, we could possibly see uh, more people, um, you know, take advantage of that. So hopefully the promotions do take care of that. So, but like I said, we don't know anything until everything is over. So it's kind of one of those things we're kind of. Uh, Speculating here, what will yeah. happen? Well, so, I can tell you. Well, I guess I at least gave you one opponent that's in Japan that hmm. Raina could face. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Did you did you, you said you had another opponent, or or was that all the opponents that you had so far? Um, that was the only. Those were only five that I put on there, just because um because I thought that there there'd be there'd be um they're not United States, not Brazil. Yeah. Because I figured that they want they always seem to want to to, to have somebody kind of face her. From a different country, yeah, and I think they've, they've kind of learned their lesson to bring in uh, a foreign fighter against her uh, because of what Caitlin did. Yes, so well, I think that'll be that, that's kind of the thing that they probably want to do coming well, in. So those those five in particular, I think, are, are really good candidates that aren't in the United States. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people in the United States I think that we're going to fight, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. You did also suggest you made the suggestion that maybe. Uh, that she could have gone into the PFL lightweight tournament. Uh, it's a lightweight tournament, right? Not featherweight, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, the women's lightweight tournament. Uh, yeah, so the one thing about Reyna, for her weight, she is incredibly short. She's, what is she, 5'3", five, 5'2", five, five, something along those lines? Do you think... 5'3". Uh, uh, compared to other women who are lightweight, featherweight, they're like between 5'7". Uh, Kaylin Harrison, I think, is... About five ten, I believe. Um, do you think at all though she would like that she would? She, she she's also built differently. That's the other thing as well. Reina is just 
has a stockier build. And actually, she has lost weight since, like, since when she first started in MMA. She has lost maybe about 30 or 40 pounds, it looks like. Maybe even more. Do you think that uh, Reyna's uh, size disadvantage would have been a hindrance against the competition that is so far in the uh, PFL Women's uh, Lightweight Tournament? Um. I have, I have two thoughts on that. First of all, is the fact that Larissa Pachenko and um, and um, and uh, Sarah Kaufman are both bantamweights, mm. and and they did pretty well in the tournament for themselves. I think it's the way that everything that there's who they're signing on there. Um, so, in terms of you know of, of the other competition in the tournament, she would match match up pretty well. I think um, she has, like I said, a lot more experience than some of the guys that there are in the tournament as well. Um, in terms of facing Kayla, if you're a judo person, you do want to be a little bit shorter just because. Oop, Christian? Yeah, I'm here. Did I we lose Mark? I think we may have lost Mark. You were just talking about uh, uh, the uh, height, dis the, the advantage of height disadvantage in, uh, in uh, judo. center of gravity for uh, for Reyna if, if she's shorter than Kayla. So have, being able to throw her won't be as, you know, will be as harder for, for Kayla to do um, with a shorter person at 5'3". Um, so it might be an advantage for her to go into that fight with that. Um, and, um, you know, if, they, if she had actually had dedicated a tramp over at, at King's MMA, I think they could find her ways to, uh, to possibly win. Um, against against Kayla Harrison, so um, I think that heights you know heights heights one thing, but you know there's advantages to that as well, and especially in this kind of tournament where there are a lot of gals that aren't that aren't national 155ers. There's a lot of gals that are a lot, lot you know way a lot lighter. So, mm -hmm. um, but I would love to have seen her do it just even if she did lose, just to get that experience under her belt because I think she'd win her first couple of fights. She may have, you know, if she's going to lose, she's going to lose in the semifinals or the final, I think. So, also, just her, pers her personality and her presence, I think, would stick out for everybody, you know. Yeah, presuming she would still bring out the teddy bear and the king, uh, the king's uh, queen's crown, uh, or king's crown, I should say. Yeah. Um, she would immediately stand out from everybody. Also, just the fact that she's shorter than everybody. She just she would have a different, uh, presumably the only Japanese fighter in that division, she would immediately stand out. Uh, I also just want to comment on the on the on the stand up aspect of her game. Yes, you were absolutely right. She has improved so much from like her first fight with like Caitlin Young, where she looked was just it was like it was. I almost felt bad for her that she was that that she was losing so bad against Caitlin Young when they when they fought in Ryzen. Um, and now and you know even against the old Dan Dwight, I thought that Dan Dwight outboxed. Uh, Reyna in their fight, and Dan was kind of infamous for having not the best stand-up. Uh, but yeah, and this, she doesn't seem to be, you know, jumping in there with her chin with her chin open anymore. She seems to be much more, you know, she seems that she seems to pick her shots more, and and that's why I saw in, the, in this fight against Andre the Rocket. She's no, it's it's no longer just kind of like throwing punches just for the sake of throwing punches anymore. Um, so yeah, I want to absolutely agree with you that she has improved, like, immensely since I lost, uh, I last saw her, uh, her fight, uh, which I think, uh, her last fight was against, um, Stephanie Egger, um, 
And even then, she looked she looked like she improved in the stand-up as well. Um, but with that um, uh, being said, uh, you also want to talk about uh, potential opponents for Gabby Garcia, Mark. So I want to give you an opportunity uh, for yours. You know, let's talk about Gabby's future, you know, whether that be in Ryzen, Road FC, or whatever next promotion uh, decides to scoop her up. Well, you know, what's been crazy is that going through some of the stats from last year, and I said I'm only up to mid-September, so I can't, I can't say anything else for the rest of the year, which hopefully I'll have those stats up on the site within the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's just been taking me a little time to try to get through some of this, some of this stuff and getting these, uh, stats, these stats compiled. But I've been coming across people that are, are fighting at 180, 185, 190 pounds, um, a couple of heavyweights, but they're all amateurs. But... Um, just kind of looking at my, my list, I thought, I thought a couple people... Now, when you say amateur, you're talking about trained amateurs or world star hip-hop fighters. <laughs> <laughs> when I say amateur fighters here in the United States, as in their, or, or, it's their first or second fight in, um, in terms of their amateur career. So, yeah, they have they created a chance, they probably did but those, those, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about them really with with the with the idea of the opponents against Gabby because the list I have, which is three, I got three fighters here that fought 185 pounds and they all have pro records. So, um, uh, and all of them have, have one of them has two fights, one of them has and two of them have three fights. So, um, top of the list is uh, Julia uh, Palayak out of Germany. She's currently three and zero at 185. So, I mean, that's her, my number one would be my number one pick. Just because she's currently undefeated, it makes sense for her to, to face Gabby. Um, there's another fighter. Um, I, I, these, these next two fighters are out of, out of all places, Iran. So, you know, <laughs> the thing is, is that we've seen Iranian fighters fight over and um, in Ryzen quite a, quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting I'm to see sorry, if, yeah, if they reach out. Sorry, Mark, what was that? Yeah. Amir Ali Akbari comes to mind when it comes down to Iranians who have, you know, excelled in rising. Yes, Please yes. go ahead. Um, yeah, there's one, um, Ayada Kanizad, who is 2-1 right now. Um, and the other one is uh, Zahara Maziani, who is 1-1 um, one 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 right now. So um, those are three people that, that, that they could bring in. I mean, like I said, two of them are Iranians, so... You know, if they have this relationship with the Iranian uh, MMA uh, scene out there as well, they might as well just bring in an Iranian to, 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 to face uh, to face Gabby as well. And all of these gals aren't old; they're they're relatively young. I think they're maybe in their twenties or thirties um, at the oldest. So it would make more sense for them to bring a younger person in to face Gabby. So I wanted to uh, to point that out. So I'm just yeah, just researching. I found a lot of gals that were fighting at 185. Um, so it's been, it's been kind of crazy to see that some of these heavier weights are, are starting to, um, are starting to, uh, starting to form fights again. So we could possibly see a little bit more resurgence coming up, uh, down the line. I know lightweights have been, have been really surging as of late. It's been crazy to see how many of the, uh, 155ers have been, have been entering the scene as amateurs or, um, you know, had their first fight, um, as a pro as one of the So. Yeah, it's been crazy to say the least, but I, those are the three people I researched that possibly could be uh, possible points for Gabby. Um, and we want to see Gabby back in there. I think, um, you know, we haven't seen her in, what, 
year and a half, maybe two years. I think it's been two. Um, it's been kind of crazy why they haven't they haven't brought anybody to, to fight her again. But um, but if they they need if they need opponents, I can find opponents for them. That's not going to be a problem. Well, here's the the reason why what I have been told, and it's kind of understandable. Nobody wants to fight Gabby. Nobody wants to fight her. It's kind of it's 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 a it's kind of like you see Gabby. It's like what advantage does does any do any of those fighters have? Or as as, as, as I shouldn't say those fighters, but any advantage that a fighter that's gonna be going up against Gabby has? She's got the size advantage. She's got the grappling advantage. Even if, and you know that's all she basically needs is to win her fights, basically. So it's been it's kind of it, what I've been told is that it's because. Gab, nobody wants to fight her. So that's why, like, she's uh, still well, doing... if you think about it, nobody trained enough wants to fight Gabby Garcia. If you think about it, if, if Gabby Garcia doesn't get those trained opponents to fight her, I mean, people like a Jazzy Gabbard, for instance, who is now officially a free agent after leaving the WWE... If you don't get somebody like Jazzy Gabbard to potentially fight Gabby Garcia, potentially Gabby will end up facing off against, you know, fat chicks from World Star Hip Hop. <laughs> yep. um, I will say one thing, though. There is one opponent that crosses everything off your list. She wants to face Gabby. She has the experience. Her name is Hillary Van Orm. She's out of Portland, Oregon. She's fought MMA before. She does a lot more jiu-jitsu now, though. She she fights. Uh, she does jiu-jitsu for um for um for uh uh the national underground. Um, and she I she's I'm I'm friends with her. I've met her before. She she wants to fight Gabby in MMA. Um, so it would be nice for her to maybe um you know you know get that get that rub. She said that she wants to face Gabby. And she does have experience, and she's, um, I think she's, she just, she, she was a brown belt for quite a while, I don't know if she's made her black belt yet, but she wants to face Gabby in Ryzen, she wants to face her in MMA, so that's probably one person that flicks all the boxes, she wants to fight her, she has the experience, um, and she's um, on par with, uh, in terms of jiu-jitsu with, uh, with Gabby, so I'd love to see if, um, if Ryzen would, would be more than happy to uh, you know, more than happy to, to do that. And the, and the other opponents who I know who 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 have not been asked, or I, I should say, one has been asked, um, and but the others have uh, one of them's already. Fa- I'll just say the opponents that I know of that would also face her. That uh, Lady Tapa, Lady Tapa says she wants to rematch Gabby. She's been saying that for like five, like ever since like the first fight. Shinobu can. Oh, almost five years ago. Yeah, Shinobu Kandori, which I know you don't want to happen, Christian, but I want to happen. Oh, fuck. I don't really, I really do not want to see the Shinobu Kandori fight happen because if anything, the last thing, especially after that Yumiko Hata fight, the last thing that Gabby Garcia needs to be made again is into another damn internet meme. And the other person who who openly says she'll fight Gabby is uh is the is a former uh, Bellator featherweight champion Julia Budd, um, which I think is no 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 hell no no I mean I get the fact that she went five rounds with Chris Cyborg I get that but if she faces off against Gabby Garcia she's gonna get flattened in less than ninety seconds. 
What do you think of Mark? I think, well, I mean, I think it would be an interesting, interesting fight just because um, because Julia has great counter wrestling. Yes. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, she has a striking behind her too. She's a Muay Thai fighter, so um, I think that that helps her out. Actually, I think it's a lot closer than you think it is because I don't know how Gabby's striking is. It's basically her her coming up to her and uh, coming to her opponent and, and getting her down to the mat. Once she's down to the mat, then it's then it's um, you know then it's over. But you look at Julia Budd; she has a lot of great counter wrestling in terms of, of her of her thing. That's what she's really kind of known for. So you know, I think it'll be a closer fight than everybody kind of thinks it is. It's just that the weight's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, people that also want to fight her, wasn't there, wasn't there a gal that was uh, out of American Top Team, uh, a big, uh, big tall um, uh, boxer? Katja Kavaleva. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about her. I told she like I haven't heard anything since she challenged Gabby. Well, since she made the challenge to Gabby, hey, hey, Christian, you, also, a, you know. Well, also there's another fighter. I think Sarah Primal Sarah Patterson still wants to face her. Oh, interesting. So hold, well, well, Kavaleva. She was uh, the the name that uh, like I remember like other than. Uh, was like the biggest name that I remember that Gabby that was before Julia Budd that that said she wanted to fight Gabby. Anything like happened to her? Like what's been happening like since I guess she made her challenge? Do you happen to know anything? Maybe uh, nothing. I think, I think she's been ready. I think she and Oksana Gagalaweva, the Gladiator Fight Team, both of them have been pretty much radio silent on you know opportunities to face off against. Gabby Garcia. As far as Sarah Patterson goes, I don't know if she's, you know, reiterated her opportunity in wanting to challenge, you know, Gabby Garcia, but either way, either of those three fights would be a hell of a lot more interesting than Shinobu Kandori or Julia Budd, no disrespect. Yeah, it's that would be a hell of a lot more watchable than Gabby Garcia beating up some world star chick. It's funny, you bring up, uh, Gagoeva, you know, she hasn't done anything since that Gabby fight. Nothing. Zero. As far anything anything memorable, I'll say. Or it's not a surprise, really, if you think about it, that she hasn't done anything since then. What about uh 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 Marky, what what about Gabby getting involved with say like a quintet or something? I that's what I wanna see. I kinda wanna see her be a part of like a, a the women's quintet uh team or something. Was that something that you you would like to see Gabby do? Yeah, it would be interesting, I'd say at least, if they if they did it again. I mean, I love the uh, the quintet that they brought in uh, this time around, if they could, uh, last time around. Uh, you know, and, you know, like I said, maybe you can bring Hillary, Hillary Van Orm back over there and be a part of that, part of the women's team that they bring in from there. I think uh, her team has pretty a pretty solid, uh, you know, uh, you know, her, her team out there in Portland have a pretty solid uh, thing of uh, team of females out there as well. Or, 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 or how about this? Why don't we bring Gabby up to Submission Underground and possibly uh, fight up there with Hillary or do a tag team match? Because they have tag team matches up there too. Um, so, you know, I would love, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I would love, love to see her in, in grappling action definitely um, over Japan, over here in the United States. But we just haven't seen her in action that much lately, just because, you know, there hasn't been all those opportunities. I don't know why 
um, why that is, but mm. it just happens to be that way. But um, to say that that Gabby doesn't have um, doesn't have the opponents, I kind of disagree with you on that. It's just there are there are some people that you know. It's just I think people need to pull the trigger on it. I don't know. If anybody's refusing to fight her or what, so I don't think I'm fighting more that goes. Yeah, I just want to, let me clarify that that the opponents that Ryzen has asked Gabby to fight, they have turned up, they have turned down. I don't know who specifically, but that's what I was told that they 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 wanted to book Gabby for some shows, but all the time the opponents kept on turning the opponents were turning her uh turning them down, uh and yeah because it it they they were booking her on every card and then they just stopped. Um, and that's, that's what I've been told. Um, the other, also around December, around the end of last year, 2019, she was filming a movie up here in New York as well. So she was not doing any training or anything. I think it was maybe four or five. I think the movie's finished. It's a movie with Harry Berry. Um, and so I think that was also why I think they tried, they wanted to get her for the, um, for the New Year's Eve card for, for Ryzen, but obviously she was filming a movie and she couldn't make it out to New York from Japan. But yeah, I'm hoping that 2020 is a year we get some Gabby fights. I really do. Even if it's just one. Even if it's a grappling fight. Just something. I, she's a very interesting, you know, I know it's weird, like, because she is a great grappler and she's one of, I think that people are very... This is discriminatory is the word I want to use, but they 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 obviously look down upon her just because of her physical attributes, while ignoring the fact that she is good, maybe one of the best jujitsu artists in the world. Um, and I re I you know uh, you know she whenever she's on a card, no matter where it is, she's the one that everybody is talking about at the end. They always oh that's the one that always gets the most streamables on R slash MMA. Those are the one that always makes the gifts. So, you know, people may, 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 you know, make fun of her, but she's easily the most interesting, uh, one of the most interesting female fighters out there, in my personal opinion. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. You know, I mean, she, she harkens back to when Amanda Lucas was fighting over in, uh, over in Japan for, um, <laughs> you know, and really tell you the truth, um, if, if, um, if Amanda didn't get pregnant, um, you know, she was all the way, she, she was actually cutting weight down to 145. Her last fight was actually at, well, at 155. Um, and, um, you know, she, she had cut down to 145 thinking it was going to be a 145 fight, but they decided to uh, go ahead and get, let, a, let her opponent be at 155. So she actually cut a little extra weight for that last fight. But, you know, um, I've been hearing inklings from Amanda that she might want to get back into it. Um, I don't know if a Gabby fight would be, I think Gabby, a Gabby fight grappling would be fun, and I think Japan would absolutely love it. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if she'd want to go an MMA fight with her, but, you know, a grappling fight with Amanda Lucas versus Gabby Garcia in grappling over in Japan will go over very, very well. Um, so, you know, I'd be very interesting to see if they end up doing something like that, if, if Amanda, if Amanda gets in shape, but next time I see her here in Vegas, I'm gonna have to um, have to kind of um, ask her if that would be something that she'd be interested in. But we haven't seen, you know, Amanda Lucas while there. So now that you say that, would it be safer for the Skywalker stepdaughter to potentially face off against Gabby Garcia in a grappling match, or would it be safer for her to just? Go back into MMA and face some unknown. 
really in terms of the truth, I think Amanda would be fun, fine, you know, going into like, like I, I, here's one of my recommendations that PFL uh, put in for the uh, for the tournament. But um, but you know, I think the more money and the more prestige would go to grappling Gabby over in Japan. She would have a bigger crowd for that. I think to pay better money for that versus having to come here to the States and maybe, uh, you know, if she was going to fight here in the States, I would assume that this is what I think I remember her saying something about this. If she wanted to fight MMA again, she would want to fight in Invicta first, is what she had told me. I think she had said somewhere on her Twitter or something like that a couple years ago. So don't don't quote me on that, but uh, that was what I seem to remember her saying. So I think she would get more money over in Japan, and I think she would get a little bit more prestige if she fought maybe Gabby over there and kind of kickstart her MMA career that way. And even if she lost a grappling fight, she'd still have that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of notch of being, I think she was, she's had it in loose when she was a, a pro MMA fighter. So she'd still be undefeated as an MMA fighter. So um, I think, I think to answer your question is I think it'd be better for her to do a grappling fight over Japan versus Gabby, get that kind of momentum going. Um, and it wouldn't be a, it would be a no harm, no foul for her to do that just so she can, you know, um, you know, wait in the waters a little bit in terms of competing again. Um, and that just helps her in terms of getting some of that, that, uh, that ring rust off of her, uh, going into an actual moment fight. She wants to do that. Okay. Interesting. Oh, with that being said, uh, uh, Mark Hugh, uh, that's all the topics that we have for today. Um, I want to give you a, a opportunity to plug uh, your your outlet, your your social media, anything else that you want to give a plug out to uh, for the uh, for the listeners to uh, peruse. Well, I um, there is one other thing I want to mention, and I'll say it quickly. Okay. Um, Julian DeCourcy um, has been campaigning to face I Takahashi over in. Um, over in Ryzen for the past year. She's been, you know, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. She wants to go to Ryzen to fight. So I want to mention that, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, and kind of give, give the shout-out to Jillian DeCourcy, you know, for wanting to do that. Um, so I'll mention that. And then now with the pubs. Lumbexports.com, uh, check it out. Um, like I said, I'm updating... I'm updating results as much as I possibly can, and hopefully within the next couple of weeks I'll give you a 2019 uh, article and give you all the stats and what to kind of look out for in terms of the, the year. Obviously, things are going to get kind of weird this year in terms of stats because we're going to be missing out on a couple months' worth of uh, possible fights mm -hmm. as well. But I've been, I've been doing interviews with, um, with quite a few MMA fighters. Um, Jameer Peshwa's uh, interviews up right now on the website. Uh, I'll have Monica Franco's interview coming up uh, within the next couple of days. Um, but I'm, I'm going to continue, uh, you know, putting up as many interviews as I possibly can. Um, you guys can check us out on uh, on Twitter at, at Wombat Sports, at Wombat Sports, Wombat Sports on Facebook. Um, and you can see Wombat Sports on Instagram. You can see some of the events that I cover out here in Las Vegas. Um, and then my personal accounts at WMA News. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll um, you know, I'll, I'll have my opinions there. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet out pretty much whatever I want to tweet out on that one. So that's my phone personal account. So you guys can check me out at, at WMA News for, for my personal account and that Wombat Sports for more of the, uh, more of the articles that are coming up on the website and some of the things that are coming up there. Mm-hmm. And as far as 
what you still do. Do you still do, like, podcasts for other people, like Jetty Goodman and stuff like that? What was that again? Do you still do podcasts for other entities and other people, like Jetty Goodman, I think Evil Eddie, and stuff like that? Um, you know, I'll, I'll be guests once in a while on a couple of different podcasts. Um, I was on Shamir's show, I think, last week. But, um, you know, I've only been doing my podcast in terms of producing. So um, it's just been that. But um, anybody welcome, I'm, 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 you know, anybody welcome to be interested in anything, anything women's divisions in terms of uh, MMA, not only MMA, wrestling, uh, you know, uh, kickboxing, boxing, and all that as well. Um, I wouldn't have to be a guest on that as well. Um, and I may have a, I may have a documentary coming out uh, within the next couple of weeks as well on the, um, on the uh, expansion of uh, roles of women's wrestling um, here in the United States, which is an interesting thing because it's a gateway for a lot of these girls to make their way into the mixed martial arts realm. So I'll have more information on that um, online about sports coming up in the next couple of weeks. Okay, we might have to check that out, plug it, and then review it. Right, Andrew? No, by all means, yeah. It really sounds really cool, you know, a documentary uh, uh, on that topic. I definitely would, definitely would, uh, love, I definitely would love to watch that. Um, so, yeah, definitely something for consideration, Christian. I see, I see. And that's all the plugs you got. I mean, the, is that all the plugs you got, Mark? Yeah, pretty much. Just go on manforce.com. We'll have a bunch of stuff up there uh, in the coming weeks. And I'm, I'm chugging along, kind of updating the website as we go. So definitely check out everything on wombatsports.com. Okay, cool, cool. Other than that, might as well go ahead and get my plugs out the way. If you like what you heard, you can follow myself and Andrew respectively on Twitter. I'm at ChrisGary92. Andrew is at Benjamin. The show Twitter is at We Are Rising Pod, W E A R E R I Z I N P O P all in one word. As far as focus fights is concerned, we cover prospects from all around the fighting globe, the scenes of six of the seven continents in the world, with the exception of Antarctica, will be emphasized. Currently, you can like Focus Fights on Facebook and follow them on Instagram at Focus Fights. For some odd reason, the Twitter account is now, I mean, the Twitter account's now, I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Need to get that reactivated. And if you want to check out the YouTube channel, it's available via searching on Google or YouTube under parentheses Focus Fights. Because if you search for it without them, you're going to feel lost. And also, don't forget to subscribe to YouTube.com. Well, actually, no. Check us out. Check this podcast out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. And hopefully soon, if I can persuade Andrew to get on Podbean or some other streaming service of choice, we'll be free to give this podcast to y'all and have y'all listen so y'all can listen to them. I mean, so y'all can listen to us on all podcast providers or carriers or whatever the hell y'all choose. Because y'all need something to listen to during this pandemic, during this quarantine hell, so to speak. Oh, and also don't forget to check out the MMA Opinion, the best damn Facebook blog for MMA. Facebook.com slash the 
MMA opinion. And as far as deep and deep jewels go, and I'm doing the best that I can trying to, you know, get their information up. While you look that up, Christian, I'm just going to also plug the uh, Ryzen FF Discord channel where you can talk things all Ryzen and JMMA uh, and JK. Oh, yeah. Can do that while I try and get these plugged out for deep jewels. Yeah, just look at, just and go deep. on Discord, look up Ryzen FF, and you'll be able to find it uh, very easily. Uh, okay, cool. As far as deep and deep jewels go, they are on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash deep jewels. On Twitter at deep underscore jewels. Their YouTube channel shared with deep FC. Is youtube.com slash user slash deep 2001 TV. But, hey, all in all, we thank y'all for listening to this podcast. We are glad, we're glad that y'all are even listening to anything other than time. I mean, damn it, what am I saying? We're glad y'all are listening to anything other than. You know, constant COVID-19 talk, and we understand that this is a crazy-ass pandemic. But we just want to be here to, you know, help y'all ease the stress and help y'all get more in touch with some good old Japanese combat sports. We thank y'all for listening to us. We thank y'all for being a part of the movement, the fandom, and we thank y'all even more for joining us on the We Are Rising podcast. Until then... Peace, my peoples, in one love world. Stay safe, drive carefully, take care of others, and vice versa. And remember, as Lenny Hart, the legendary Lenny Hart, who's going to be celebrating her 20th anniversary in combat sports very, very soon, always likes to say... In a second. (laughs) Damn it. See, this is why I always have to try and be prepared doing this shit. <laughs> but still, as the great Lenny Hart, who is going to be celebrating her 20th anniversary in combat sports very, very soon, always likes to say... And with that... We out this mug. Talk to y'all later. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Peace out.